As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! The slow but then sudden death of the politics slash football analogy. What a week for William Accio that was, by the way. Time to declare your childhood airport allegiances for your sins. Is Greg Wallace the Richard Keys of food? The mandatory types of Premier League pre-season friendly? Why Lissandro Martinez has come to take the crown of Fred Elliott from Coronation Street? This week's transfer that just sounds so right. And the hunt for the most successful footballing name of all time. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 176 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is David Walker. How's it going? Very good. How are you? I'm alright. Lots of guidance in the media today, Dave, to check in on the welfare of old people, small children, pets and podcasters who've had to turn their fans off for an hour to record high quality audio. It's a tough life. Hardy souls. Well, I, I am pleased to report that I'm fully air-conditioned in our what passes for a studio in the office mm. at the moment. So no, no complaints here. Fine. Good to know you're in the right conditions. Alongside you for the adjudication panel is Nick Miller. How's it going? I have I turned my fan off about 30 seconds ago and I'm already sweating. So, um, <laughs> so I, it's possible that I will expire before the end of this recording. But <laughs> I'm happy to, uh, you know, I'm happy to do it. That's my commitment. Um, let us know. Let us know your status throughout. I feel like we should bring forward Keys and Grey Corner to the very start today. Ooh. Super Sunday. Here indeed is Richard Keys, Rodney Marsh, discussing how thermometers work just before the FA Cup final in 1999. It was a very, very hot day. And after about uh, 60 minutes of the game, everybody on the field was drained. 
You need a lot of water. What is it? 37-ish. Now, 36. Double that and add 30. Don't you? Yeah, look. Crikey, out there. It's very warm, isn't it? 106. How'd you do that, Richard? What'd you do? Well, you double it and add 30. And yeah. you'll end up with a, a, about what you want Fahrenheit. Oh. So you've learned something today, haven't you? Nice to revisit that. Dave, a classic slice of Keezy and a topical one too. Yes. Um, was that, I feel like that was hotter than it should have been. So the, so that's like the same temperature, just about the same temperature as we're getting today, which is apparently the hottest day ever. Or were they were they taking into account the sort of pitch? Yeah, was pitch level. Pitch that's level? not real. That, yeah. yeah, that's we're talking like an inch off the ground, but it was, yeah, 41 degrees before. Why the is it hotter at pitch level than normal level? Because it's the surface of the grass rather than the air radiator. Right, yeah. okay, yeah. Nick, I quite like the old wives' tale slash Facebook wisdom of Richard Keyes there with the <laughs> add 13 times it by two or whatever it was. That's just, that's the sort of logic he'd be firing out left, right and centre. And just running through it in his head out loud, though, uh, you know, not only out loud, but on national television. Keyes, he also, yeah. he, he feel, feels like the absolutely perfect person to say something along the lines of, well, it's this temperature in Qatar all the time and the society doesn't shut down there, does it? Well, funnily enough, oh, literally moments before we started recording, he tweeted this. What a good job we're not playing a summer World Cup in England in these ridiculous <laughs> temperatures. Five cry-laughing emojis. Oh, it's a good one. It's a, it's a good twist on the old uh, format there, I, isn't I it? Promi- Listeners, I promise you we didn't set that up. That was uh, that yeah. was all off the cuff. Well, suffice it to say, it is hot. We've got that out of the way. Let's get on with the adjudication panel. This is from Matt Honeyman. Look, I know it is, it is hot, and it maybe is just too hot to try and turn political debate into understandable football analogies. Boris Johnson is almost yes to his man and is now starting to turn his fire on those who could succeed. I'm not sure it's going to be well, we had two red cards before a ball had been kicked, actually, yeah. at the MQ. And actually, when the ball started to be rolled out onto the pitch, Keir Starmer was playing, trying to play with somebody else. And mm-hmm. Boris Johnson uh, ended up being the one he was, he was trying, to, um, trying to play with. The, 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 the problem with going after Sunak and Zahawi is... <laughs> really, really <laughs> love the way that just completely ran out of steam, Dave. Well, I, I, I can't even begin to get my head around what he was trying to what's the point i don't get it rolling the rolling the pitch out onto the ball well, obviously it had to include red cards so red cards before yeah. the game had started mm, then he was mm. some was playing with someone then he was playing with someone else yeah rubbish um, this really should be the end of this nick if you don't know anything about football at, or analogies don't attempt it. Seemingly he's trying to relate to the common man, but just insulting everyone's intelligence that you don't know how like a political debate works or how these... Or you can just say they're not in the race anymore. Why do you need something as kind of convoluted as this to... What point was he trying to make? I don't know. Was he talking about the, the race to succeed Boris Johnson? Yeah. And and the people that had been eliminated in the first round were red cards. So yeah. Zahawi, Sajid Javid... Any of those guys, Suella, they've got red cards before a ball's been kicked. But that doesn't even work because they, they, the race had started. So presumably balls were being kicked. They just got sent off early doors in the first five minutes. It's just atrocious. The whole thing is yeah. an absolute shame. And what's Keir Starmer got to do with it? <laughs> it's true. It's true. The whole thing's a mess. Uh, don't want to hear any more for a long, long time. Next up, for those who enjoyed... Jonathan Pierce semi-seriously taking offence at Rachel Brown Finnis suggesting that the 63rd minute was too early to declare a player of the match at the Euros. Here she is with the BBC's Mark Scott during Portugal versus the Netherlands last week. Jessica Silva has been outstanding, the outstanding player for me. If we're to do an early player of the match, then she'd be uh, getting 
in my early year. Be a candidate, would she? Be a candidate, yeah. 73 minutes gone, not too early, or be all right? We love you, JP. <laughs> God, the, the banter that goes on in BBC commentary circles. Dave, this is great, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in my heart of hearts, that, that JP is sat there enjoying it. Presumably this is going to be a running theme. I eagerly await Jonathan's next game in this tournament. Yeah. How early is he going to go? Will yeah. he do it in the first half? I mean, it remains our responsibility, Nick, to, do, to yeah. take the cold heart facts uh, under our microscope here. Is the 73rd minute too early to declare a player of the match? Uh, no, that's fine, isn't it? Really? I, no, I think that's fine. That's about... What time was it last week? It was 63rd last week. Uh, yeah. To be absolutely clear here, we're not talking about the time in a match where, where you're deciding who it is. You're talking about when it's acceptable to discuss who it might be. Yeah. Now, we 63rd too early. 73rd, I think you're okay. Because 73rd is when you can start talking about where someone's had a good afternoon or, you know, they've played well. But, you know, I think if you were, um, the match, if you were betting... Not. You can bet on um, like who to be who's going to be man of the match, and you might be if your man or woman had had a good game by that point. You might start to, you start to think, oh, we could be we, this could be it. It's going to take something big to like overturn this performance now. So I get yeah, you can start having the conversation. I think I would. I mean, I I would just eke it up to seventy five. I would. I think that's a that's a clean place to put it. And also, I think it's context specific. If a game is petering out, then it does lend itself to sort of bigger picture chat like that. So you do have to account for context, but I think 75 minute is the hard ceiling or the floor for me. But yeah, the BBC are getting there. Let's put it that way. What a couple of weeks, Nick Miller, it's been for William Accio. Let's refresh your memory about how he shot to fame. Did Accio clear that off the line himself? What in the world? Yeah, so that's, that's William Accio shooting to the world's attention, well, two weekends ago, I believe. And uh, it quickly emerged, Nick, that he had a YouTube channel. So we were all feverishly awaiting his polished explanation for, for what happened in that sensational goal line situation. Uh, he, took, he did indeed take to his popular YouTube channel to explain it. And for all the very silly people tweeting about match fixing... Uh, seriously or otherwise, there, were, there turns out there was just a very, very logical footballing explanation, perhaps the most logical football explanation of all. The ball hit the left side of my toe and it literally just like went straight out and I was just going to smash into the side netting. And um, yeah, it was very, very embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's not much I can do about it now. Like, just got to laugh about it. And um, yeah, like it is what it is. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's football. It sucks sometimes. At the end of the day, I don't care. People are going to say what they're going to say. And uh, it is what it is, man. I just, it was a horrible miss. And uh, absolutely rinsing me for it. And uh, it is what it is. That's what social media does. You know, I just got to gotta laugh about it, man. It is, it is what it is. It's a bad miss. It's a horrible mistake. Thanks again for showing me love. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. I'm going to see you guys next video. Peace. That's it. I've now decided that it is what it is now covers every possible <laughs> footballing eventuality, Nick. I'm happy with it. Um, uh, I think this fits perfectly. It is indeed what it is. Yeah, is it, I think this is probably the most it is what it is thing football has ever seen, uh, which yeah. he emphasised by saying it is what it is 
I think I counted five times there. Okay, I'm glad you counted. Yeah, yeah thanks. Uh, including and then in another accent, just to be sure. Yeah, in, in, I, I worried yeah. at that point that it was some sort of catchphrase for him, and it kind of supersedes anything we could possibly say about it. But let's just assume not. It was nice. Yeah. It was nice that he kind of he, he went round a few of the other kind of classics, you know, end of the day, all that kind of thing before f- mm. fully committing to and settling on it, it is what it is. I mean, you can be very blasé, Dave, about the phrase "it is what it is." It does cover a multitude of footballing sins or um, catastrophes, but I, th- I think this is a, a, a stonewall. It is what it is. It's just kind of, well, I can't really explain it, but it did happen. And yes, technically I was at fault, but it wasn't what I was trying to do. So it's smack bang in the middle of it is what it is. Uh, admirable levels of honesty from William there. I, I quite like the, you know, he did go into some detail there saying that it hit the the left side of my toe, which I think as amateurs, we've all been in that situation where you've attempted just to, you know, simply to, to kick the ball in a certain way and it just comes off the completely opposite part of the foot that you're intending to. Uh, you know, I don't know what that says about William's abilities as a as a player, but he's 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 holding his hands up. I mean it's still completely unfathomable. Yeah. That, it I is. don't what what was he trying to do? Well, I mean, amid all the confusion, it doesn't seem to have done him any harm because Nick, he signed for Scottish Premiership outfit Ross County. W- really? Wow. <laughs> yes. He's become their 10th summer signing. He's joined on a three-year deal from Canadian Premier League side Valor FC. Now, um, I mean, presumably this was this would have been a deal that was kind of in place for before this, presumably. But there must they must have been a there must have been a conversation where they go, <laughs> can, can we sign him after this? I know. I mean, first of all, I'm ruling out Dave that the fact that they signed him on the back of this, <laughs> no. like, some sort of publicity stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's unless they're not, obviously. unless the social media team at Ross County have got particular influence in the boardroom. They're going, <laughs> guys, this if we really want to strike the moment here. We want to get some big numbers and add some followers. I think this is our this is our guy. Absolutely. We can do the fight. We can do the whole announcement <laughs> on the ball rolling over the line and the whole yeah. thing. But yeah, I think I'm I'm with you, Nick. Though I'm with you, Nick. Like surely there must whoever's put this deal in place, agent, director of football, whatever, manager, they must have gone. Oh, <laughs> oh God, really? We're going to sign that guy, <laughs> the one yard out guy. <laughs> The one yard out guy. <laughs> one yard. Not even one yard. Well, Ross County, of course, issued the obligatory club statement, Nick, when they signed Akio, and full of all the useful information. Uh, quote from manager Malky Mackay said, William is a player we've been tracking for a number of months, and we are delighted to bring him to Dingwall. Um, there was no mention. I mean, why should there be? There was no mention in the... It's not, not even a kind of, he shot to fame recently, or anything <laughs> like that. It's just kind of, why? how can you not mention it? This is what people know. So, but I kind of, I can understand why they didn't. But in, eventually, in their tweet to unveil William Accio at Dingwall. They did include the video of him missing that and then saying, well, let's forget about all that. And then they showed a, a montage of him scoring some incredibly good goals, to be fair. So uh, I hope I hope Ross County fans and people further afield get to know the real William Accio from now on. It's a real, um, a real introduction to uh, British football for him. It will be interesting to see whether or not the Scottish football fans of both Ross County and opposing teams are sort of, whether this is really on their radar, obviously... You know, I'm sure Ross County fans will be well aware of it, but other teams, because if he does miss an easy chance, like in his first couple of games or something, will there be an extra loud way or? Ooh. I think his first touch will get it. If, if football yeah. fans are worth their salt, his first touch should be yeah. getting away. It should be a continuation of what they last saw, as far as I'm concerned. But um, but yeah, it's it's just fascinating this little um, narrative arc over the space of what seems to be about ten days. Um, but good luck to him. I think we can all agree. 
on this one. Jamie Ward, Nick, has provided a great addition to our evergreen little subgenre. Uh, all right, someone who thinks they know what it is, we're going to go to Line 7. Hello, Line 7. Who's that? Hello, it's Debbie. Hello, Hi. hello, Debbie on Line 7. How are you this <laughs> afternoon? I'm good, thanks, Anna. Hi. <laughs> Whereabouts in the country are you? What are you up to? I'm in Sidcup, yeah, Kent. So, yeah, just um, in from work. So, got the weekend off. When's and what coming? do you do for a living? I'm, I'm work at the airport. Oh, yeah. at Gatwick or Heathrow or Biggin Hill? Heathrow for my sins, yeah. Oh, my goodness <laughs> me. Well, listen, I hope it's been not so bad with all the chaos. I'm sure you've been working your socks off uh, for the past week or so. So, let's see. What oh, but I love that one. <laughs> Dave, the suspense there, the sheer yeah. suspense. I didn't think it would be because of that reason. It, mm. I don't think he he throws the best one, isn't it? Yeah, I that's what I thought. I mean, yeah. beyond the sort of multiple layers of this, Nick, you know, at which point were, was Debbie going to say for my sins? That 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 rolled out perfectly. But then it became a, a very similar situation to declaring which team you support. So, oh, I'm an Arsenal fan, actually. Oh, God, can't talk to you. Well, yeah, I mean, when she said Sid Cup, I did think it was going to be like, oh, Gillingham fan for my sins or whatever. <laughs> Heathrow does. I mean, currently, it's it's not a pleasant place to be. So I think it feels quite for my sinsy yeah. at the moment. In the normal course of things, I don't know what's the most for my sinsy airport. Luton, probably. I, I think it feel like it should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to factor in how Stansted. difficult it is to get to compared to where it thinks it says it yeah. is. <laughs> not in London. Yeah, not in London. Um, you have to get Stans- you have to get that bus from the train uh, station to the terminal. Oh, so annoying. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, but Dave, I I do feel like. I'm naturally inclined to declare an allegiance to an airport. Heathrow, is feel, I think Heathrow fills up my one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, the, Heathrow to me is the CBBC to Gatwick CITV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. At 100%, <laughs> even more broadly, Heathrow is BBC. Gatwick is Gatwick is ITV. Good old Heathrow. You, you, know o- you, only, you only fly at Gatwick if you have to. Just as, just like you only watch the football on ITV if, if you have to. Absolutely right. Brilliant. Um, the For My Sins Corner raises a level every single week we will never ever plateau next one comes from ben owens and quite frankly anything poor hollywood can do greg wallace can do better here he is with matt chorley on times radio and i'm delighted to say that today i'm joined by greg wallace master chef's very own greg how are you doing I'm happy. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm into town later for a dinner with an mo- old mate, old old mate. So I'm happy. Well, good. Food is so important, and you you know your you, you. Let's be honest. You know your food. Well, I should think so. Yeah. I mean, I've I've, I've spent nearly all of my working career in and around food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, before we get to the the real meat and potatoes of this, um, that was such a Greg Wallacey introduction i feel like he's had to he's had to do that intro about a thousand times dave he's had to talk about everything he's ever done for the last 25 years just in case people don't know yeah 100 percent. yeah it's the same, and it's like you so say you made the comparison to paul hollywood it's like i wouldn't i actually wouldn't be surprised if one day i found out that it was all a big swiss <laughs> and that they'd actually never been chefs or owned a restaurant or anything because they're just so convincing Mm. at what they do but they have got you you can't really imagine them you know over the stove or Mm. or that's right pulling the bread out the oven can you really absolutely Uh, there's halfway through that introduction nick where he said i was completely um unsolicited he offered the information that he was out for out for lunch with a mate at some point it got me thinking is greg wallace the richard keys of food (laughs) 
Um, he ticks a lot of boxes. Does he have the kind of the? Uh, he doesn't really seem to have the the same level of bitterness at a uh, you know a previous mm, career that's more, been I don't know. wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Has he? Maybe. I, 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 I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not familiar enough with his oeuvre. I mean, this is a, an inelegant comparison to say the least. But is it not that Hollywood is? Keezy and Greg Wallace is Andy Gray. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe a little, little, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe that is the dynamic, Dave, anyway. But absolutely lovely attempt in and around him from Greg Wallace there. Absolutely lovely. Right. Preseason friendly season right now. We're, we're smack bang in the middle of preseason friendliness. And um, it got me thinking, Nick, about the fundamental core types of pre-season friendly for Premier League clubs. I'll kick you off with Big Six Club versus dutifully cobbled together Domestic League All-Stars 11. <laughs> Where do these teams come from? Are they sort of, are they sort of you know, coerced into doing it? So, oh, come on, we need a team. Yeah, I don't know. They're just kind of players that are hanging around not doing anything else, just kind of thrown yeah. together to help mm. Arsenal or whoever tune up. No one ever audits these All-Star 11s, Dave. No one ever sort of checks whether to see these are the cream of the crop in Thailand or the MLS or whatever. What it's, is the thinking behind it? Is, is it because they think that a team, a random team on their own like Incheon or whoever mm. playing Tottenham, they're not good enough to provide Tottenham a stern enough test or are they trying to pull in the sort of, they're trying to make an event out of it for the Korean fans It's got to be the latter, to just yeah. spread the interest out. I mean, mm. if anything, Incheon would probably be better than a cobbled together 11. This yeah. is the Team GB phenomenon again. They're not going to have any training time. So yeah, it's got, it's got to be kind of ironing out any possible kind of allegiance issues, just saying, well, we've picked the best of the league, so... There's a lot of showcasing the talent, of course. Let's not forget that. But I quite like it. I think it's a nicely poised format. Kind of ticks a lot of boxes. Dave, next up, mid-table Premier League club versus mid-table Premier League club in Melbourne. Just anywhere. Very I'm, far away. Yeah, I'm always distinctly uncomfortable with this. I really, It really angers me that <laughs> teams from the same division play, play in pre-season. Watford had a... a, a it's, since been cancelled, actually, for I don't know why, but it was hastily cancelled. But we announced that we were going to play Millwall in a pre-season friendly. Where? It's just at Millwall. Oh, like oh, no, nowhere exotic then. No, no, no. But still, it's just, what? why are you doing that? Like, I don't understand the benefit of it at all. And it's yeah. just, it sort of spoils it. I don't like it. But this, this kind of very familiar sight of watching two unremarkable Premier League teams going at it on a very dodgy surface somewhere in a domed stadium in the Far East, Nick, uh, reminded me, whatever happened to the FA Barclays Asia Trophy? It sort of quietly died to death. Mm. 2003, 2005, 2007, 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017, 2019, vanished without a trace. Must be a COVID thing. Yeah, but I mean, surely they're, they're, such an institution should be should have been revived by now. You know, picking out a, a series of uh, and crucially non-football stadiums that they uh, mm. they have to play all these games in. Uh, it's a it's a key part of um, of the preseason you know ritual. Who are your four ultimate? pure Premier League Asia Trophy contesting teams. I think it's there's always there's always this kind of a, a big-ish name but not like Newcastle. Right. Yeah, well maybe Newcastle or Tottenham or, so, or something like that. And I'd say the biggest you can get now given that all the big clubs are going on their big tours, mm. you know, already sort of sanctioned strictly controlled tours elsewhere. You're you're looking for teams who are knocking on the door of the big 6. So Everton yeah. historically. Wolves. Yeah. 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 So they're your big guns. 
Uh, Villa, I think. Villa, Villa, uh, uh, Villa are, are pure yeah, age. Very much in there. You can't have any newly promoted teams, I don't think, because they're not proper Premier League enough to qualify, unless they, even if they've been yo-yoing. So you, you need two teams that are sort of lower reaches. I don't really picture them specifically, but Southampton feel right. For oh that yeah, kind of thing. all right. When then, when then, I don't think they've oddly never competed in the Premier League Asia Trophy, yeah. but yet they feel so yeah. right. I agree with this. Maybe modern, modern Southampton. West Ham? But yeah. Palace? West Ham have played. West Ham finished third in 2009 behind Spurs and Hull City, <laughs> which is very Premier yeah, League yeah, Asia yeah, Trophy, yeah. isn't it? Oh yeah, it all feels right. Every single one of them. Liverpool, Leicester, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, Everton, Stoke. It's all great. Yeah, bring it back at the earliest possible opportunity. Next up, Nick, in our list of fundamental preseason friendly types, a 14-0 romp at an Austrian training <laughs> camp versus sixth-tier amateurs. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. But barely even a game. But barely it? even a game. But the 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 pictures are absolutely delightful. It, it, yes, it's, yes. It's a small ground in ideally in front of a mountain somewhere, crisp blue skies, and they are kind of laying waste to this kind of collection of youths and trialists. And it's such a good backdrop, Dave. So immaculate a backdrop that it's almost like Super Street Fighter levels of. <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost doesn't exist. It's completely two D in the background. Yeah. It's just this is the one we've chosen as the and backdrop for this friendly. The variation of the calm before the storm. <laughs> <laughs> for these is the, the the pictures you know when the even if it's a training session like the cones are laid out and it's like decent view for today's session yeah yeah, yeah. it's a classic no. today's office yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the worst possible yeah. discourse yeah. today's office hate it anyway phil blundell says nick no better preseason friendly than the premier league 11 playing a club from a much lower division away from home while the seniors are out on foreign tour. The locals get all excited that a big team is coming into yeah, town yeah. and then a load of 17-year-olds turn up for a fairly dour nil-nil. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I very much had the split squad uh, weekend on my on my list, yeah. Especially when and they're on exactly the same day yeah, as the first team, Dave. Yeah, but it's always described as an 11. Yeah. Mm. Or a Manchester United 11 mm. played at Salford City or wherever. Do you think yeah. they're kind of legally obliged to kind of describe it as that? Is it like an advertising standards agency uh, thing? <laughs> I think so. I think you have to set the expectations of the <laughs> of the paying punters. It's like at a festival where in brackets they write underneath DJ sets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was going to go tribute band, but DJ sets much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. It really is perfect. Emma Levin writes in, David says, the we poached a promising academy player from this lower league side a couple of years ago and agreed to play them in a friendly as part of the deal friendly um that seems like the one of the most inconvenient ones a kind of oh we did say we'd meet up didn't we oh i can't get out of it yeah should we go for that pint (laughs) it's uh, i think a key detail is that it it will have been postponed at least once uh in the the time before they have to say oh yeah yeah we probably should do this shouldn't we so eventually (laughs) we'll get around to it it's in the contract gotta do it Got to do it. Um, None of these roundtable discussions from our listeners will be complete without a contribution from Jack Pierce, of course. And he says, the weekend before league season kicks off, home fixture against a decent mid-ranking European side. Think Leicester versus Villarreal, Fulham versus Wolfsburg. One notable debut and a last goal scored by a youngster nobody's heard of or someone back from a forgettable loan spell last year. Nick, this is very kind of almost like like a pre-tournament send-off. Yeah. It's like... it's like their last 
sort of sort of showcase before the season starts of their new kit and their new players in front of a home crowd. Yeah, very much so. It's like you know we've been dicking around with these kind of split squad games and the game against the Austrian amateurs in the picturesque background, but now we're playing a proper team. Now this is a you know like this is a proper tune up. It's always it's stepping up our preparation. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah good. So. And it's quite a versatile fixture, Nick, because you could use it as a testimonial. I mean, I keep hearing about players qualifying for testimonials, but I don't see any happening. Where are they? Where are these testimonials? They must be backed up now. I see shitloads of testimonials ready to come out at some point anyway. But um, but also, crucially, Nick, I feel like this is the only pre-season friendly for a Premier League club that it's acceptable to play at home. Yeah, 100%. You can't, you can't play a a kind of lesser team at home. That's just, that's poor form. So you have to, it has to be someone of a kind of equivalent or, or greater value because otherwise you just look, it just looks undignified. Completely agree. You do, you do have one other little one to, to chuck into the mix, mm. which is probably an increasing thing. Certainly, we've experienced it at Watford. Is playing a game against your, if you have a feeder club, sister club, oh, other, yeah. other club in your sort of network. There are quite a few of those clubs now. I think Sheffield United have got like, had a, have had a few different ones over the yeah. years, and I don't know whether Man City ever play ever play. They must have played like New York City FC or something at some point, haven't they? Or Melbourne in Australia or something. Easy like, to set up. Easy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like your mate Sunday League team. Just send an email. Do you want a friendly this this week? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Um, simple one. Um, uh, after uh, Manchester United gave Liverpool a pasting the other night, Nick, uh, I recall Grace Robertson tweeting that um, why do these clubs never learn? Never play your big rivals in a pre-season friendly. It's just it, it's God. nonsense, isn't it? Why do you I hate do it, it so much? There's nothing to be gained, is there? North London derby in pre-season <laughs> in Bangkok. Like if, if this would definitely be on my Mesut Hardy, be in my be in my top three irritations of. You've football. got about eight things. I now. hate it. It's just it was. It's the same thing of like first time I was um, uh, involved in a wedding um, as like a best man or a groomsman or whatever. I went to the rehearsal the night before. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You're doing the vows already. You can't do the vows before you do the vows. But just a, a lower tempo. Presumably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not many people there. Just a tie sort of undone. <laughs> wearing, wearing trainers <laughs> this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how demonstrative you have to be that it's a rehearsal. I've yeah. never been to one, but I, I, I am equally stunned as you that they exist despite you already having seen it in action. Um, but Nick, it, got, it did get me thinking about, because instantly after this thrashing for Liverpool, there was lots of lots of chat on social media, sort of playing it down as as you as you kind of should, as you should for friendlies. But it's nice to see the energy that goes into playing these results down. So I thought, what's the hierarchy of reasons for losing a, a preseason friendly that 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 to some people might matter more than it should? I feel like the first one, the top of the tree, and this is the one that that was widely kind of cited, uh, which was the opponents being a week ahead in their preseason <laughs> preparation. That is yeah. the ultimate. Because in my head, that means that's it. Fucking, they couldn't run. They could barely even walk. Yeah, yeah. And the other lot were sprinting around. Yeah. Fine. That that week becomes the equivalent to like, you know, a year or something like that. It's not, not so much of a factor this time, but you, you've also got players not back from tournament X or, or, or whatever, you know, had to play. Firmly in at number two yeah. for me. Yeah, that, that's an absolutely huge one. Still some players yet to return. Yeah. This could be an entirely different side come August 6th or whatever. Then, Dave, you have to factor in kind of the training load for these. They've been doing double sessions all week. This was this was just um, a game at the end of it. You know, the training is the more important thing. So everyone's been going absolutely mad about the bloody Spurs double sessions, haven't they, <laughs> in the last week, honestly? I think it's really weird chat that comes out of these things because... And I'm not doubting Harry Kane, for example, when he says that he feels fitter than ever under Antonio Conte, especially after these preseason preparations. 
Why? Why weren't you super fit before? <laughs> Maybe I, I can I kind of understand that some managers might prioritise super fitness over other things, Nick. But isn't this an absolute disgrace? Let's take those comments at face value and in good faith. Why weren't you doing it? before yeah but he it, maybe it's like he, he thought i thought i was fit before but now i've kind of you know right been fine. run ragged by general contact then i've achieved a, a higher state of fitness a very diplomatic repackaging of his comments yeah, yes yeah i mean it's, it's also very possible it's complete bollocks <laughs> i feel like vomiting after a fitness session is like the gold standard of yeah. fitness isn't it it's like you always you hear that from like the olympians like oh they the, you know steve redgrave Regularly used to pass out and have a fit every time he got off the off the um, off the rowing machine, mm. and and it's like if you ever don't pass out or spontaneously vomit, it's like just a walk in the park. So it's, yeah. it's very it's a very macho thing as well, though, isn't it? You, you've, yeah, you've it's, it's a it's a um, a kind of sign of your masculinity that you've pushed yourself so hard that I can't you imagine doing it. No, it's just well, that's come on, let's keep going. If you don't work hard enough, this won't go in Charlie Eccleshare's long reach <laughs> in pre <pre-season. Yeah. laughs> This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Next up, Nick, Manchester United have completed the £57 million signing of Lissandro Martinez, apparently dubbed the Butcher of Amsterdam. (laughs) Which won a great nickname, by the way. Uh, Everything about it is perfect. It's got great poise. It could easily be a book from the 1890s or something like that. But also, you don't get many butchers of these days. 
No, what do we have? The Butcher of Bilbao. What other butchers yeah. did we have? Who's that? Uh, and uh, Goikachea, the guy who um, the guy who went through Maradona's ankle, and he he had okay. he famously had the boot that he broke Maradona's ankle with in a like a glass case at his home. Okay, <laughs> but I, I, it is a great nickname. But I'm sort of left thinking that Amsterdam typically and, and Dutch people in general are viewed as quite much sort of mild mannered characters. So yeah, to be how high is the bar to be the butcher of Amsterdam? I know is it just point. is it just a bloke who tackled a bloke right. tackled someone once? He is Argentinian though, isn't he? So I think yeah. that might play. He's into five foot it. nine as well, Dave. So there's 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 obviously inherent angry small man syndrome going on here as well. He, yeah, I mean, uh, but put more constructively, he's having to punch above his weight. He's having to be more aggressive than someone taller than would have to be. But is that enough to be a butcher of? Has he? I mean, I think. What? Yeah, exactly. What are your butchering credentials? Well, as the Goikachea example, and Goikachea, and Goikachea Goy seems to be the only example of a butcher of that I can find in football. You need to have at least one high-profile example of you butchering somebody. I think that's. It can't just be some undercurrent of of microaggressions, can it? It has no. to be. You have to have actually butchered somebody to yeah. be a butcher of. Unless, or unless he actually genuinely does have an interest in a small business, mm. a small butcher's <laughs> in Amsterdam, which seems mm. unlikely. Uh, the, only other, the only other butcher of I can find is Slobodan Milosevic, the butcher of Belgrade. Dif- different thing. Yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He certainly let you know he was there, didn't he? But there's nothing on his um, on Lisandro Martinez's Wikipedia page. Mm. To, you know, style of play... It yeah. says it says he's a ball playing centre back known for his range of passing and composure on the ball, which doesn't sound very butchery to me. He certainly um, he's playing against Erling Haaland last season, and he, he out jumped him for a few aerial duels. So looking forward to seeing if he lives up to that nickname. I, I feel like that nickname's not going to stick. We don't do butchers here, do we? Well, he can't be the butcher of Manchester. That's Fred Elliott, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just I think I think his butchery is going to have to be, have to be on real display for this to stick. Really love this entry into our intermittent series transfers that just sound so right, Dave. Aaron Moy to Celtic. I genuinely oh. had to check he hadn't had like a season on loan there, and even without Postecoglou being in charge, it's perfect. It doesn't Absolutely. need to be there. He's not in the equation for me. Aaron Moy is so Celtic. It, it's it is perfect. It just makes sense, but also a player that had. Some nice moments in a poor team, a couple of sort of poor to average teams. Got a bit of quality about yeah, him. Yeah. Set piece specialist. It'll be 20 assists next season. Yeah. And he could just go up there and have a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's, a be- <laughs> exactly. it's a beautiful career path as well. Academy of a big team. Didn't make it there. Dropped down into the championship. Bit of, bit of some minor success in the Premier League. And then China, two years. Back to Celtic. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, if you were, if you had your real cynical head on, Nick, you would look at that as as a as a footballer up and coming. You're thinking, I would take that right now. I mean, it, it looks like it looks like you're going to have enough money at the end of it, and you will have probably played for a couple of adoring fan bases if you've done all right. I, that's kind of what you're after, isn't it? Really. So I'm all right with that. I mean, I do wonder though. I mean, if you play Celtic in their genuinely appropriate place in the footballing landscape. I reckon a lot of players will think, do you know what? If I have a season at Celtic at some point, I reckon I'll be either on the way up or on the way down and I'm happy. I think it's perfect. Well done to Celtic for snapping up their genuine soulmate in a football sense. Um, Curious unveiling scenes from the Eredivisie though, Dave. PSV have unveiled the English tank, in their words, Jared Branthwaite on loan from Everton, who comes complete with his own hashtag, hashtag the Jared way. (laughs) 
And his his signing graphic contained these bullet points. 195 centimetres, centre-back, left-footed, no-nonsense, brave, aggressive, strong, high potential. <laughs> really <laughs> odd. I almost had to check it wasn't one of those weird acrostic poems that you saw in the late sort of 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, because it would be one cluner bash. Bash. Very strange. I wouldn't. I didn't have Jared Branthwaite down as being a tank any more than I had Lisandro Martinez down as being a butcher. What's going on here? And it, it, that that group of um, words is. It's like they've pulled the, the the stuff of Football Manager when you can go like highlight the specific attributes right. relevant to this position. Um, yeah, just very over, not overhyped, just over pumped transfer unveilings. Uh, you don't have to do it, lads. You can just quietly unveil them and say, do you know what? That is such a problem, isn't it, these days? Yeah. Literally every club. I mean, honestly, I shit you not, I've even seen it at Sunday League level. <laughs> there are there are teams in my Sunday League that 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 behave. As if they are professional outfits, and good luck to them. But they, the, the graphics. Oh, who's doing the graphics? Taking loads of teams. slow motion videos of their new signings, just looking up really slowly. I mean, it's and just like man of the match awards and all this yeah. stuff, and it's like properly. It's part of the fun though. Like yeah, I yeah, kind of it's yeah. Random, but you're pretending to be a professional yeah, yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Extend to social no, media, no, no. Right? If why not? Exactly. Yeah. Like have, have some fun with it. But like it, it, it is. I mean, it's like like Ross County we talked about earlier on yeah. signing William Mackey. Like every single team in the world has to you have to unveil a player it's true in those ways it's now being like or, or coming around the other way though you know like you, you know when a band does like a really sort of big ambitious concept orchestral album or something like that the next one is always just two blokes in a shed with a guitar or something like that now it feels like <laughs> some teams are, are, are doing well specifically barcelona are doing uh, deliberately low-key ones like Usman Dembele's <laughs> kind of new yes. contract was just him him and a whiteboard and they uh, unveiled Robert Lewandowski was just it was just someone on a phone on a beach somewhere they just kind of walked up to him on a beach and that was was it kind of knowingly low-key were they sort of making a yeah, point with it or what? almost certainly I, I, and I, I don't, we haven't got any money here it well is. yeah but with yeah. Barcelona I'm not sure whether it was a kind of knowing you know uh, we've we haven't got any budget for the, these big unveilings, so it's just some bloke with an iPhone now. But, yeah, stripped back. Next up, I want to talk, Dave, about the language of headers, please. There was a crime committed at the weekend when Coventry City described Jonathan Panzo as firing a header home for a goal. Now, widely panned on social media, and rightly so, and the general consensus was that you can't fire a header, but you can power one. Powering a header is the, yes. is the equivalent of firing. And that and that seems to be like a very tidy situation. Similarly, you can bury a shot, Nick. But what would the heading equivalent be of burying? Can you not bury a header? You can bury a header. I'm not sure you can bury a header. I'm not sure. Can, I'm ninety percent sure. You can thump um, a header, but that's not really the equivalent of bury, is it? Can you bury? I don't think you can bury a header. But what I would offer you, Nick, is that you can plant a header. Oh, hundred percent. Because you can't plant a shot, can you? Uh, no, I think planting. Planting a header is uh, there's an element of kind of precision to it. You, it's not it's not a kind of enormous power, but you put it right in the bottom corner or something like that. Yes, yeah, so it's tidily it's tucked away, yeah. isn't it? It's put into a very precise area, and it has to be low low header. I think right? so. Hence planting. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, okay. Matthew Allison agrees with you. He says that you can only plant a header and not a finish. He's right. But um, William Wardley writes in Dave on a tangent. And he says, um, how far wide? does a player have to be to flash one across goal? He says, I don't think a penalty can be flashed wide. Agreed. Someone from the corner of the penalty box definitely can flash a shot wide. 
Can a corner be flashed across? No. How deep can you be? Basically, where do you need to be and what do you, what are you doing to flash a shot wide? has to be quick. Obviously, it has to be across the goal. There's a kind of limited element of precision as well. It has to be kind of fairly, Pure power. fairly, fairly yeah. wild, I think. Can a glancing header be flashed wide? Not not described in those terms, but I don't but like a sort of cross from deep, and you're just trying to get something on it. Flashed a header wide. Not sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert on flashing. No, I've flashed a header wide of the far post. Flashing a header is. I, I don't think it's one I've ever ever heard, but it kind of no. It sort of feels okay. I think I have. Feels okay. Yeah. It does feel okay. Um, let's see if it's ever been typed on the internet. Flashed a header wide. 4,910. Andres Sporar, earlier denied by a smart bit of keeping from Rodak, flashed a header wide of goal from close range. Yeah. Fine. Uh, yeah, flashed, I guess, just means it's a bit like a snapshot. Mm. It, it happens in the moment really quickly. There's no build-up yeah. to it. It just it just happens. So it's flashed wide, and then it, it, and it goes across the face of the goal and doesn't threaten the goal particularly. It's not close, but it from, from one angle, you might think it was troubling the goal. Mm. So I think yeah. that's what flashing means in a football context. Dan Robertson asks, when is a player hauled off? Now, my immediate thoughts on this, Nick, were hauling off is a more visible thing. A player has to have done something quite egregious from a from a manager's perspective. It's not the same as being hooked, which is something that's done more quietly at halftime. Can a player be hooked at any other time other than halftime? I think you could be. You could be hooked after an hour, I think. Yeah, hauled, hauled off is... You, you, you're definitely hauled off in the first half. If you're, you know, the, the, when Jose Mourinho used to make those substitutions for about half an hour. I'm th- I, Joe Cole's in my head. So Jose, you just haven't done your job. Yeah, Jose Mourinho you hauled off Joe Cole on the half hour mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a hauling, 100%. Yes, it's like a terrible first half, but it's entirely their doing. Mm. They haven't been given the runaround by somebody brilliant. It's just that they they weren't doing their job properly and it was their fault. So that's when you get hauled off. Yeah. But hookings, I think, can be a bit more of a mercy mission, Nick. Yes. Given a torrid. Hooking might relate to sort of a bad attitude or something, maybe. Whereas a hauling, I think, is just a more, just a a terrible, terrible performance. Yeah, the, I agree. The, the, when you're given a a, a, a torrid time by a, you know by opposition winger, that's more kind of put out of a misery kind of territory, isn't it? Definitely. I feel like hooking is quite footballer speak. Mm. Yeah, I've heard quite a lot of ex pros go, oh, "I got hooked." For me, look look what happens. He's getting hooked yeah. every week. I always thought it stems from that old kind of slapstick situation where someone gets someone sticks out an umbrella with a hook and literally drags someone off a stage. That's, I think that is that, that's how yeah. I, I I kind of picture it is that like the halftime TikTok has happened and the player gets up as if to go out again for the second half and the manager just yeah. kind of grabs the back of their <laughs> nope. shirt with the you know with, with his finger or something. No sir, Not you no sir, <laughs> Not sit you. down. Right, okay, good. Good hauling, hooking chat there. Fantastic. Right. At the weekend in MLS, I saw a lovely goal for FC Miami by a uh, a chap called Robert Taylor, Nick. Finnish international. And um, it got me thinking, does any exact name have a better footballing pedigree than Robert Taylor? There's Bob Taylor, the West Brom goal machine, Mm -hmm. sort of like a poor man, Steve Bull. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, There was Bob Taylor of Brentford slash Gillingham, who then signed for Man City after they beat his Gillingham in the playoff final in 1999. Yep, it looked a bit like Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fairly sort of grizzled looking chap. 
but a, a goal machine nonetheless. So there's your three Bob Taylors. So my, that was kind of my mid-weekend thought is, have we got a better group of players with the same name? Turns out I was well wider than Mark. <laughs> yeah. Well wider than Mark. Let me just take you through a couple of suggestions. There's Hopefully, an obvious contender. Okay, but this is the ascending order I've roughly put them in. Yeah. Paul says... We're straying dangerously into Paul Robinson territory here. Yeah. Emerald Posh expands on this. Surely. Paul Robinson, the ex-England goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Paul Robinson, who played left-back for West Brom. And Paul Watford. Robinson, the Millwall legend. Yep. And there were a few more lower league, non-league journeymen Paul Robinsons, as well as another Millwall one from the 80s. Oh, and the one from Neighbours. <laughs> and, and wasn't there a striker who played for Newcastle as well in the Is late 90s? Is that the Millwall one? He was the one who, who played instead of Shearer in that Sunday yeah. game, isn't he? But I, he's not the Millwall one, is he? Can't be. I don't think he is. Whoa, he's definitely not. <laughs> he played for shitloads of clubs. Yeah, so there's there's him as well. I think Paul Robinson was immediately the name that came to mind for me. I think it is. If okay. Robbo, there's so many a lot of Robbos out there. Wow, and I thought we could even better this because Nick uh, John May says just how many Musa Dembele's are we up to now? <laughs> um, so yeah, Spurs had had the midfield one. I think they were linked with the one that eventually played for Celtic. Yeah, and they were also linked. Uh, no, I also decided, decided that they should also sign some Austrian 17-year-old called Moussa Dembele. So there's a lot of Moussa Dembele's, but I still don't think they beat the Paul Robinsons for breadth of talent. Do, I mean, we've got at least five Paul Robinsons there. Yeah, I mean... So it, where do we go from does there? Does it add anything to it that, that, that Fulham signed Moussa Dembele after they sold Moussa Dembele? And mm. and also Wigan signed Rhys James to replace Rhys James. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, I'm aware this is not quite what you're asking for, but it's a sort of subcategory of it. Yeah, that's fine. They, they coexist. Exist. That's the main thing. Joseph Clift writes in. Dave says Ben Davis, Spurs, Wales, superb defender for club and country. Ben Davis, Derby, Sheffield United, decent free kick taker. Ben Davies, Preston, sort of Liverpool, soon to be Rangers. Okay, defender has an amazing agent. <laughs> um, fair play. This is good. But then um, Spanner in the works comes from Michael Cox, who says, "Is this cheating?" Vladimir Vice, born 1939, former Slovak footballer. Vladimir Vice, footballer, born 1964. His son. Vladimir Weiss, footballer, born 1989, his grandson. I, still counts. Still have the same name. Still counts. Yeah. But less of, Impressive. of a coincidence <laughs> because <laughs> they are all named after each other. Can't, I would can't argue, argue, argue not at all a coincidence rather than <laughs> less of a coincidence. <laughs> uh, Nick, do you have any names in mind here? There's some Luis Suarez's. It's kind of two big ones. And then there was a, uh, an Argentinian Luis Suarez who yeah. I confess I'd hadn't heard of before, but yeah. but there are those. We added Luis Suarez at Watford. Yeah, yeah. There's Luis Suarez of Watford slash Granada and Colombia. Yeah. Luis Suarez of Liverpool, Barcelona, and Uruguay, and Luis Suarez of Barcelona, Inter, Spain, and a list of medals as long as your arm says Joe Fairs. So we that might well be. I mean, there's no technicality we're breaking here. I think that that is. I mean, I reckon there's a bit of maternal surnames going on there, which might break it. I feel like we have to be careful of this. Naming conventions are important. Yeah, but I think I think Paul Robinson is the is far and away the best one. Okay, um, I've got one more for you. Then this is from Ben Davis. Funnily enough, um, he says Andy Gray, Andy Gray, open brackets Palace bloke, Andy Gray, open brackets former Leeds and Forest, Archie's dad and Frankie's son. It's a strong, it's a strong little selection there. Two internationals. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Mm, mm, not bad, but yeah, I think, sadly, I think Luis Suarez takes it, but we may need to adjudicate on that further. But thanks to you. David Walker, the one and only. (laughs) 
Thank you. And Nick Miller. Well, thank you very much. Team GB hammer thrower Nick Miller. Thanks very much for your contribution to today's adjudication. Panel. And BBC weatherman, lest, uh, lest we forget. Oh, yeah. Absolutely right. And uh, me, the only Adam Hurry in the whole world, signing off. We'll see you very soon. Cheers. The Athletic. <laughs>